Welcome back, ducklings, to the 10th episode of the podcast, where we continue our discussions about competitive games, but only this time we will be discussing the death of a competitive game, which feels fitting because I think this will be the end of the competitive series for now. And once again, this topic is brought to you by Mezio. So, Mezio, tell us why you chose this topic. A little bit about the topic. Um, so... Tabletop World lives in this perpetual fear that their game is going to die with the exception of, like, games... The exception of basically Warhammer 40,000. Um, everything else is like, oh my gosh, it's dead? Oh, it's dead! And, like, you live in this, like, weird moment where, like, everyone loves this game or, like, this game has its following. And then around this game are a bunch of people that just assume it's on its deathbed from the moment of its birth. Right? I mean, yeah, but I also get that with the gamer, like the gamer community in general, because I don't know if Jake's come across this, but you could be playing an incredibly popular online game that like the servers are maxed out and you Google is game name and like one of the search results is dead. Yeah. And you're like, all right, gamers, good talk. It sort of happened with my favorite tabletop game of all time, which is Armada, Star Wars Armada. Which still exists and is getting a bunch of new expansion packs in a month. But it went through 18 months of basically like just total radio silence. Like there was an announcement, but there was no follow up. Nothing was released. Fantasy Flight Games just like left us in the wind. And it was always a low release game. You maybe got a couple things a year. So it was always on that like it's dead, but it wasn't right because. Right. Games, competitive scenes rely on two simple factors. One is that a group of people play it and show up to tournaments and run tournaments and create a scene and participate in the scene. And two, the company developing the game has never declared it dead. A debt? Dead. Oh, okay. the, The pronouncement of death actually comes from the company, not from the internet, right? And they, as long as the company says it's not dead, then it's not dead, right? Even if nobody plays it, even if whatever, it still kind of probably has a pocket here or a pocket there. And there's uh, a really good example of this in the, in the, the smaller tabletop communities, um, of which I am increasingly becoming a part of, if you haven't like googled any of the things we talked about on the podcast um but infinity just released a new edition and i had real i really liked infinity but i had massive issues with N- with n3 their third edition was just like ah, what are you what are you doing what 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 am i looking at here um i could take a mech like a literal gundam uh but the guy that took 40 dudes with flashlight rifles is going to murder him because eventually that guy will get lucky and kill him. Um, and I brought up to somebody, a friend of mine who's really into 40K um, in the Philly area, which effectively, went, like the East Coast scene that I'm a part of, goes down to Nova and up to Boston. Uh, it's not I, the friend that got you brought back into 40K, is it? No, no, it's somebody else. Okay. Um, and and for for like the record, like not that I think anyone's going to respond to this in comments or anything, but like 
the term into 40k means I now own the rulebook and the codexes and the models to play the game. Not competitive 40k player, not planning to be. Uh, Isn't 40k the one where you had to go through and adjust all your model bases or is that a different game? I'm supposed to. I have not and decided to buy a new army instead of dealing with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Um, because buying a pile of, of new bases is remarkably expensive. Huh. And then you have to sit there with like leather gloves and a hobby knife and pry off the old models. Not worth it. And, or you could buy like base extenders, which they make that you like clamp onto it. And I like literally looked at it and I'm like, at no point am I willing to, I don't care that my orcs are unplayable. I'll, I'll put them in a box with some desiccant packets and I will revisit this in five years. But can't you also still play those with like non serious? Oh, you can do whatever you want when you're in non serious. Yeah. And I don't play in a serious setting. Um, oh, okay. All right. But, uh, for, for example, um, Lord, uh, Middle Earth SBG, which is the Lord of the Rings game that I'm always talking about, has uh -huh. pockets of like really loyal players. Uh huh. And those players are generally speaking, like they create the scene, they do incredible prize support, they make custom prizes, they put forth tons and tons of effort. And basically it's like having cousins is the only way I could describe it. If you have like large extended family where yeah. like a couple times a year, they like, they come to your house once a year. You go to their house once or twice a year. You see each other's other cousin's house another time a year. And then you all meet, like, for the big family reunion, which is Nova Open uh, over Labor Day, right? And then you find out that, like, your family, like, from Europe, right? There's a big family reunion called Articon. And, like, they're like, yeah, maybe we should go to Articon and meet, like, the old world relatives. And I'm like, well, that could be cool. I mean, I don't know. Reason to go to England, right? But if you, like, talk to the average person, one, they've probably never heard of this game, even if they are a tabletop gamer, and two, they'll be like, I don't think anybody plays it. Because functionally, if you walk into the into a normal game store where there isn't a stronghold of this community, or even where there is one, like uh, in our local area, the game, that, the store that we all play at that hosts the annual tournament doesn't actually carry any of the product. Oh. Yeah, it, it, like, there's nothing on the shelves. I don't even think they have the starter set anymore. So, okay. so like, it's this like, well, you have to order it and you have to like know what to do. And basically, as a result of that, you have to be initiated into this world. And in Secret the life society. Everybody. Yeah, almost literally. Yeah. It's like if you put the ring on, you can see all the players. <laughs> anyway, but, so but the point is, is the game's not dead. It's just a small, close knit compute community keeping it alive yeah the broad the broad scope of most games never achieves the saturation of something like league of legends right yeah the broad scope of it is much more akin to something like heroes of the storm which is still not officially dead i think they did release like at least one hero this year yeah they did i think which during covid you know if it was a non-covid year you'd be like eh, is it dead but like it's not during covid so it is COVID, so whatever. Um, and, and what I've kind of come to find as I've gotten increasingly into these games is these games live on for extended periods of time, which is how they're still produced, right? Uh -huh. 
It's the same no, with Infinity or even Heroclix for people to play Heroclix. Um, which I now own some Heroclix, which is like a rear, like, I don't even want to talk about it. Um, but you basically have to call around, find the community, find the two people that run the community, and then talk to them to gain the secret handshake, which is just like, how do they run it? Because there's no standardization. Like, are you in Lord of the Rings? Okay, were well, you on Facebook? No? All right, well, then you're not playing Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Because you need to be in Lord of the Rings, in the Lord of the Rings groups, and then you also need to, like, meet these people and kind of get friendly enough to join the chats that do all this stuff. That are all private. Right? right. Versus, versus like, Magic the Gathering or Warhammer 40,000 where you're like, on Thursdays, everyone plays the 40Ks. Um, and I, I feel like video games actually have the same phenomenon going on, but the scaling is different, Right. And in addition to the scaling being different, the the death search, right, that you that you described like a minute ago, because I think I've talked for 10 minutes and I feel really bad about it, it, is much more pronounced, right? Like, is Overwatch dead? No. Is Overwatch what it was four years ago? Uh, no. No. There's a lot of, uh, is Overwatch 2 dead? <laughs> Watch 2 hasn't even <laughs> come out yet. So I guess they're just asking if the production on it is dead or if it's still happening. Um. I mean, what they should be asking is, will Overwatch 2 be relevant? And the answer is probably not. You're right. I said the mean, guy who's upgrading his computer to play it. <laughs> I cannot understand. I, I'm, I've had it explained to me like six times. What the heck is Overwatch 2? I still don't know. It's just a, a campaign mode, some updated graphics, and one new PvP gameplay. It's, it's a $60 That's cash not a That's not it's it, a $60 cash grab by Blizzard. It is. Oh like, I, I'm not going to get it because Overwatch 1 and 2 uses the same servers to connect. Mm. So I don't care. Wait, <laughs> like, so you're literally going to be playing with people that are playing the original Overwatch? Yeah. For PvP? Yeah. So, like, why would I buy it? So what? See, every time I hear an argument for this, my resolve to not join League of Legends again weakens. Listen. League will shank you and leave you in an alley <laughs> bleeding without your wallet. Probably but it'll also at least with an do STD. it in the front. Yes. More than likely. Uh, more than likely. Wait, as Tig, in, are you like, willing to make an on-air yeah. commitment to shepherding me into League of Legends if I decide to play it? Careful, Jake. You're only Okay, listen, you're only going to play Teemo. That's it. You're, that's the only champion you're ever going to play. <laughs> Anybody listening to this that plays League of Legends perfectly understands that it is the best fit possible. Jake... Jake, I just want to say, uh, I attempted to teach Mazio Apex, completely different game and style. And let me just express to you the horrible pain that it was, uh, partially because of the colorblind, which isn't your fault, Mazio. Thanks for excusing me for my, uh, you know. <laughs> for your genetics? No problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I just opened up a fortune cookie and it says... Pray for the things you want, but work for the things you need. I'm willing to put the work in because I need <laughs> Mazio to play Teemo top lane and kill somebody from across the map with a sh mushroom that he put down 30 minutes ago. They don't actually last that long, but you get the point. Uh, but Jake, you're... I need it. You forgot to calculate that Mazio would be one of those people on a potato playing. Yeah. I mean, that's a grant. That's a given. Okay. Most of my All teammates right. are on Walmart potatoes anyway. I just wanted so to, least I just wanted like to a, make sure. How I would say you've at least got like a Costco potato. <laughs> so 
It's a little better. It's like a like a Kirkland's best potato as opposed to the uh <laughs> uh I mean Really, this is my fault for just not thinking through upgrading until it was, like, way past due. Correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, back on topic. Death <laughs> of a competitive game. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like at this point, to a certain level, the listeners are wondering if I will ever get a new computer, because I think we bring it up at least three times a, a chat. Definitely I think it has been brought up since, like, the second episode. <laughs> We're on episode 10. It's been months. Um, that would be but, five months. Uh, I have a question. Yes, Jake. Is it topic related, Jake? It is. Okay, go ahead, Jake. What would you classify as a dead video game? Because I've been sifting through my Steam library while we're sitting here. And I know there's a lot of games that people don't play a lot anymore, but I can't find anything that I would really say is dead. I mean, people overuse the term, for sure, but what would you think is dead? So, so if we use what Mazio defined as, in my brain, it would be the company has turned off the servers for it. Right. And you and can no longer log in, play that game, your account's dead, everything's gone. But, yeah, like, Ultima Online is dead. Everyone go ahead and just Google that. I'm not even going to try to die of, like, a 1990s MMO. Um, but no, Which I played to. a lot of. But it, it, most of the time when people say, it, well, most of the time when people say, is this game dead, what they're actually saying is, is this game relevant enough to make it worth playing? Yeah, I think the term the term dead is misused. And <laughs> Ultima Online, what are the best private servers? That's another thing, is that you have uh, communities yep. that keep things alive uh, through private servers. Sorry, Jake, that for people listening, Jake posted in our Discord a Reddit link to our Ultima Online. This is what are the best private servers. So I think that, that kind of... Back to the back to the point of like what is what is a dead game? You could still play Ultima Online if you knew the right people. Similar to your example of you could still play certain competitive tabletop games if you managed to get the secret handshake and into the cult. I think it's all about community. It's all about community. It's also all about fit. The reason I can't play Overwatch at this point has nothing to do with the Overwatch servers. It has to do with the fact that the community I connected with when I played Overwatch does not exist anymore. Yeah. And Overwatch now belongs to a different group of people. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, there's no, like, no hard feelings or anything. But for me, the relevance of Overwatch is gone and the game is effectively dead. Right. Whereas you could easily hear people say, like, Civ 6 is dead, even though they're still dropping content for it all the time. But, like, th what they mean is, like, the, the part of their life that was relevant to Civ 6 is dead. And from a competitive standpoint, what the question isn't, is the game relevant, just relevant, but is the scene vibrant enough to warrant the investment for a new player or a returning player? I would, oh, I got to think of how to word this. Uh, do you want me to give my follow-up while you think? Yeah. <laughs> that, that line is crossed, and it is no longer worth it for the majority of people to consider joining a gaming community to do so, that is like phase two irrelevance, right? Like phase one irrelevance is you're no longer the front line on Twitch. Phase two irrelevance is getting new players went from relatively rare but viable to not really viable. And that's when you're heading down the drain of the servers are going to get turned off eventually. 
and you're always going to have loyalists, by the way. Like, um, I mean, we talked about Jared on the podcast before, but like, Jared was there when AIM went dark, which was, I think, in 2015 or 2016. And I was like, wow. Do you want to define, you want to make sure you clarify that? AOL Online. Thank you. It was an instant messenger app, like, when that was a thing that was novel and did not exist readily elsewhere. The yellow running man. Where was he leaping? I I have no idea. The AOL, uh, whatever. Okay. So, I guess I kind of have a personal example of this. PUBG, in my mind, is dead and has been dead for a very long time. Probably been dead since like 2018. My dad just started playing PUBG a couple months ago. <laughs> really? And yeah, and plays constantly, all the time. He's got like a Discord server full of people that he plays PUBG with. He's literally playing right now. For Your him, dad it's com- is so much more game savvy than most parents that I think of. Like he has I- a Discord automatically elevated. I yeah, bet Jake's he's- dad once. He's actually a really cool guy. <laughs> He's been playing video games for a very long time. Like back when Battlefield 1942 had a competitive scene, he was a part of that. But less inflating my dad, more so to the point. <laughs> Let's have Jake's dad on. <laughs> um, that was I a think, no. Yeah, for him, PUBG is entirely alive and well. And I tried to play the game the other day just to see if I could even potentially jump in a game with them. I hate it so much. It, it FPS has mo- and Battle Royale has moved so far past what PUBG was yeah. that it is legitimately unplayable, um, at least in my view. But for them, it's perfectly fine. So it seems like there's like a relative position of a game's life cycle. There's also a renewal process that goes into things where um, for Star Wars Armada... They dropped the Super Star Destroyer, which, if you know Star Wars, is like, whoa, they need a Super Star Destroyer. Um, and it, it kind of boosted things back, but very, 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 very briefly. It didn't really revive the game. But now they're adding Clone Wars in. And when they add the Clone Wars in, my prediction is you're going to see not, like, a revived scene, but I think you're going to see a lot of the old school players stay. But you're going to gain a different group of players, and you're going to have a different scene than you did before. That made sense. I think that, in a way, tabletop games have a better template for grabbing new players because they release new versions of the game to both keep the old people playing and bring on new ones. It's like uh, the, the Disney phenomenon with the Disney vault. Newsflash. Disney does not have to vault classics or movies, but they do. And then they wait for the pristine time where the people who enjoyed that movie maybe now have kids to re-release it from the vault to then indoctrinate another generation of Disney people in, right? Because then the parents will be like, I love this movie. I'm going to show it to my kids. And then my kids at Disney, okay, then we're going to Disney World because this movie just released. And maybe they have a bunch of new merch at Disney, whatever. Ignoring COVID right now. I think a similar phenomenon happens if I look at D&D specifically, which isn't a competitive game. But I'm sure somebody who's better versed in tabletop games. They did try. Yeah, they did try. Uh, But for example, 
I think my uncle has been playing D&D since like first or second edition D&D. And he still plays all the way up, I think, to 5e now. But with each version of D&D released, you had that Disney phenomenon where the parents or family members who used to play D&D got really excited because they could sit down and learn something new with like their, with a younger generation. And then that would put them both at roughly the same level. Instead of, for example, if I go back onto a video game that has been updating the entire time I'm away, I have like a library of research to go through to figure out what the hell got changed with each patch update. What's this new currency system? What are these new enhancements? Is that an artifact that gets embedded now? Is it not? What's going on? Whereas like tabletop games, when they release, they do new versions where I feel like people can just be like, all right, the old version was great, but here's a new set of rules, a new rule book for you to follow. You don't have to go through like years of research to play. And I think it keeps them alive a little bit better than video games do because they can have a more constant stream of fresh blood brought in. I hope that made sense. It, it does. Yeah. The state of the game as it was is accessible to you at any point once you own a tabletop game. That's one of the biggest problems with WoW, right? And I am not an experienced WoW player, so please correct me if I say something sacrilegious. Um, but I'm not a WoW player, so I also cannot I correct you. have not played since Burning Crusade. Yeah, well, I've never played since Ever. Birth, so... <laughs> But I did watch a lot of it on Twitch because Vanilla WoW was releasing uh, outside oh, yeah. of private servers. You, it was accessible through private servers, I believe. But people could finally stream it and it was an official release. And that hyped people up because the state of the game that they used to enjoy was finally going to be playable again. Yeah. Especially in a public fashion with updates, etc. that made it viable. Tabletop and board games don't have that problem. As long as you have the box and all the components, you can play it the exact same way that you did in whenever. Right, but video games yeah. update and change rapidly. Patches, every patch, the game has morphed slightly farther away from what you started playing. And if even if you take yep. like a two to three month break away from the game, you could come back and be like, I have no idea what this game is anymore. Because it's just how fast they're patching. I'm experiencing this exact problem with legal, or legal Legends right now. They just entered the preseason patch, and all of the items in the game got changed. Now, I had been actively playing League, so I was brushed up enough on the game that I could take these changes with stride. But, had I not been, because I often take month-long or longer breaks from League, jumping back into the game and trying to just enjoy like a quick solo duo or something, uh, with all new items, I wouldn't be able to do it. It's just, it, I'm going to need like a 10 game adjustment period. I already did need like a 10 game adjustment period, basically, to get accustomed to how the whole new item set works. For bringing back old players, it seems like it's a controversial decision to make. And I honestly, I think they lost quite a bit of their balance work with this. But they sort of throw out the old rulebook and leave a lot of people behind. Video games kind of have a way of just doing this consistently, and maybe it's just because there's a lack of regard for players that are no longer present but might come back, or uh, a need to move forward with patches, yeah. um, but it's a dangerous thing to do because you could very easily patch yourself to the point where you killed your game. Hmm. I think, in a way, 
video games the competitive video games actually can we we'll just change this topic to i think dead games in general if everyone's okay with that yeah mazio i was fine i nodded (laughs) i'm so happy that i could see you (laughs) nod through discord (laughs) i saw it well good for you jake uh Oh, now I forgot what my chat... Oh, uh, so video games benefit from having an online presence because we talked about this in the previous co- uh, previous podcast. I don't know if it's the immediate previous one, but a previous one we talked about it where video games can reach a large pool of people. So it's like they cast the net out into a much larger pool and they reel them in and they can do this consistently. Like new versions, big new expansion packs, whatever... They can throw another net out with a big advertising campaign and grab more. So they don't really necessarily care if they hold on to all of the players from the previous patch as they go over because the pool that they're fishing in is just so huge. Whereas with tabletop games that really do not have nearly as strong of an online presence as video games do, I think they value having or trying to maintain the community from one version to another Because they know it's hard for them to advertise and get more. Because most of it, from my own experience, Mazio, Jake, please correct me if I'm wrong, is by word of mouth. Like, I had, I didn't know there was a nearby game store until somebody told me that they liked going to this game store and they sold magic cards. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I went to the game store and then you meet people and then you meet people playing. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we played this game, blah, blah, blah. But it's all word of mouth for me. So I feel like it's much more valuable to hold on to players yeah. from the tabletop side than it is for video games. I guess, Mazu, you'd have the most experience with this, but do do tabletop games tend to shift their audiences like I've just described before with PUBG? Yeah, you do have group shifts where you know people age out, people have kids. Like age out meaning like they get married or get a new job or something and they're gone for a while. Um you know, just, just like in our area, like for a while I was spearheading Legion and then our group was like, yeah, we're kind of done with Legion. And I was like, well, I'm going to keep buying it and playing it, but okay. And then another group came in, didn't really know about me. Right. And I didn't really know about them. And then I like went over and, and like met up and I was like, yeah, like I'm not going to like fight. And he was like, oh, is this like a thing? And I'm like, no, like I don't need to be in charge. Like I was in charge. Nobody else would do it. Right. Right. Like. I showed him what I was doing. I showed him how all the stuff worked. I showed him how the, like, what I had set up. And then, like, yeah, I'll see you, like, you know, on Tuesdays when the quarantine count, the COVID count is low enough for me to come out and play. And other than that, it, it's great. Yeah. It's good to see that kind of passing of the torch. What you, what kills games and tabletop is, you know, like I mentioned the Nova Open, the people that organize Lord, you know, Middle Earth for, Lord of the Rings for Nova Open, if the person that organizes it can't or won't or whatever and nobody immediately picks up the banner, that's when the game starts to die because one of the mainstay centerpieces of that game's somewhat cloistered, somewhat small, well, not somewhat small, cloistered small lifestyle, life is removed. You've removed essentially an internal organ from it and now the game will go into free fall. Well, it's like... D&D can release as many tabletop versions as they want, but if for whatever reason somebody's like I don't want to DM this version. Then like you've lost the person that runs the game and nobody wants to DM, then that version isn't going to be played in your friend group anymore. It's dead. 
Right, and D&D loses like four or five players and yeah. I mean D&D won't notice cuz right, it's so big. Right, but for smaller but... games like you were talking about earlier in the podcast that you got back into maintaining or losing a handful of players or like one game store of players could hurt. Could kill it. Yeah, especially in COVID times where we don't have big cons. Yeah. Well, like so, Infinity is a really good example and Infinity and N3 had three people in the Philly area that were like really hardcore organizing it. Two of them moved away towards the end of N3 and they're not here. So now the conversation is, is anyone picking up the mantle or is the Philly scene just not going to happen in N4? Like, is it just going to be this game that's like out there and a bunch of people enjoy and a lot of people have models and a handful of people will play with like their buddies but with nobody going to store owners in the local area, even though you can't right now, but like, let's say 2021, going and being like, I want to get an infinity tournament on the books once a quarter in your store and like really advertise it and bring people up from Maryland and Virginia and down from New York and, you know, possibly points beyond depending on how their own scenes are doing. You know, you end up in kind of a, you kind of end up kind of in a bad spot. I feel like uh, to equate this back to the financial podcast that we talked about before, you need people who are whales, but whales with passion instead of money. Yeah, you, you, need, you need the passion people who, whales. Yes, you need passion whales. Hashtag now passion all, whales. Which now all I'm imagining is a passion fruit with a whale tail, like yeah. poorly stuck into it. Oh, God. All right. Uh, but you need people who are passionate enough to devote the time and energy needed to keep the game alive yeah and you need the you need the same kind of person that would be really good in a pyramid well, scheme you actually need, you need wait, all that and i think there's wait. one internet thing Jake, that you need yeah no he's right though his, i want him to explain the pyramid scheme I mean, it. I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory if you would be good in a pyramid scheme and could make money on it which I mean, somebody does. There's a there's a tip to that pyramid. I'm sure, plenty of people. Word do. of advice to everybody listening: get involved in pyramid schemes. You could win. Please um, don't do it. No. No, but that that same sort of like ability to organize, ability to not only champion the game but to sell the game. Like you're in a way acting as a a salesman. Like Mazer, you sold me on Legion. Yes. I made purchases of Star Wars Legion because of the way you presented the game to me. If you presented the game as, this is a pretty shitty game, uh, it's not very good, got some nice Star Wars stuff, but other than that, pretty lame, I wouldn't have bought it. Like, there's nobody there at, really, at least from what I've experienced, the stores really aren't trying to sell you on stuff so much. They're kind of just there as a facility for you to buy it. The The sales, uh, with all of the stores that I've been to, don't really operate that kind of way. It's not like car salesman-y. Yeah. But it's more so the the community will sell you on it. Um, the active nature of the people playing in the room that you're standing in right, is the thing that's convincing you to buy something. And when you want to examine a board game, you don't necessarily go to the person at the register. You go to the people that are playing it on the back table and be like, hey, how do you like this game? Um, it's kind of a unique thing for board games and tabletop games, because that doesn't that doesn't really happen in other circles or other markets. So that's what I'm saying. If you were good at a pyramid scheme, you'd be good at selling board games and maintaining a community. Accurate. Mm. 
Well, and you also have the downside too, where like local community, like not necessarily whole games, but local communities can absolutely be killed because like one person in them is toxic, which is not a thing video games are affected by, like League of Legends case in point, right? Like, yeah, the whole community's toxic and the game still does great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For example, at Showcase, uh, our local store, there are some people that are pretty toxic to communities. Um, they like to sell people on games, then tell them that they'll play them with them and then don't, or hype up a community for something because the game is new and they like, you know, they like being in on the ground floor of something without them actually deciding if they even like the game enough to do that. You know, and then you end up in this situation where you have a bunch of players that don't have a leader and the game doesn't actually have a champion, so there's nothing that can happen. I think a similar phenomenon can exist in video games, but it's not nearly as impactful. Like, a game may do better if a influencer from YouTube or Twitch streams it, right? You have someone championing to try and get more people into it. But one, they're getting paid to do it most of the time. Um, and two, it may save the game for like a day or so. But I don't think it's like more, it's not as long-term impactful as it is in the tabletop industry. I'm surprised we haven't talked about this yet, but um, Among Us. Oh yeah, the game that was two years old that suddenly took off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, talk about a dead game. Like, yeah, that was Did a pretty we, dead game. That were, was. Were they even filling servers when it when it got a second life? I think they announced the end of new content at one point, and then it got second life. Yeah, I'd have to check on that. But there's a there's a graphic that I saw on Reddit that basically like chron or laid out the history of Among Us. Yeah, which I think is a is another very rare occurrence. That I don't know if it happens in the tabletop word, world as often, Masio, or if no. at all. That's very, very rare that a game that is like been declared dead, you know, no new content by the developer actively survives. There are a handful of instances of it where like, um, ugh. there are a handful of instances of it in which small communities are basically given charge over a game or a property. To maintain it and keep it going. Uh, the Decipher, I think it was, Star Wars CCG had that for a while, where like fans ran it. Warhammer 40,000 Conquest, which was a card game, has like a loyalist fan community that kind of gets around some of those things where like they, they maintain, like they maintain the sort of officialness of the game, for lack of a better term, so people can remain interested in it. But the downside is, of course, that none of those products are actually produced. So you can't really get new players unless new players are really willing to eBay things, trade for things, or otherwise pay out huge sums of money to acquire them. So Jake sent us uh, a graphic in our Discord for those listening from Our Data is Beautiful, which is the meteor meteoric rise. Meteoric. Thank you. Of Among Us. So they, according to this graphic, which again, we haven't done extensive research if this is true or false, but the end of life was announced in like January, maybe February of like 2020. 
And then player count and viewership just skyrocketed after July. Yeah, it was it was all buoyed by Twitch. I think um, Soda Poppin was one of the first people to pick it up, if not the first. One yeah. of his like one of his mods. Um, he was a Twitch admin. Somebody recommended it to him, and then shortly after that, it started to pick up. Yeah, like I mean, it went it went from never hitting a hundred k count to being up to what is this 600 at the time well no 600 uh, well 600 viewerships but like 400 ish maybe a little less it looks like players which is insane yeah which is a huge revival of it i wonder what this if this accounts for the app as well or if this is just uh the app definitely made a huge difference because the app was free so people like kids could play it Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I, I'd be interested to see, I mean, this graph is uh, a month old. I'd really right. be interested to see where this has gone because it brought eyes onto a game that really seems like it just went straight under the radar of everybody. And then, yeah. granted, this came out in, when when was it released? Like, roughly two years before this? It, the first tally mark on the, the uh, X-axis is January. Yeah, it's like January 2019. So sometime before January 2019, this is before COVID. This is this game is perfect for COVID. Like yeah. everybody's sitting inside. This is one of those like, but it's a it's a very social game where you get to talk to people. Something that nobody got to do for a while. You see, right around July when this starts to kick up, like April 2020 is the first very little spike, and then July is really when it kicked into full gear. Um. That's that's people settling into quarantine too. So the states of the world definitely changed. It probably has a lot to do with it. But I'd like to see if this can hold, or if this is a temporary interest. I don't know. I think now that they have the audience, if they can keep it interesting, they'll be okay for a couple of years. Yeah, it's a pretty sizable I, if. Yeah, it's a big if. I my guess is that Twitch viewership can put eyes onto a game and get people to try it and probably get a good number of people to purchase it. But I don't think it can maintain a community because it's just that it's viewership. It's not participation. Whereas on the, on the tabletop side, the people that are selling you on the game are standing in front of you and you can play with them. Like I, I play Legion with Mazio when the world's not ending. And that's the person that sold me on this game. And I play Legion with lots of other people at our local store that are actively introducing me to new topics, new units, new play styles that then sell me on further stuff. On Twitch, you don't have that. Streamers are inaccessible. They can't maintain your interest in a game. So I I feel like this is probably, my guess would be a temporary effect. And the effect of streamers in general is probably a lot shorter than um, a good, well-maintained tabletop community. Fair. Hmm. I'm sorry. Now I'm looking at like Steam charts of certain games to see like big drops in player counts and rising, and see like games mm. that I considered dead at one point to still have like a decent amount of players. Yeah. I'd like to see PUBGs. But um, I guess the what I really wanted to talk about in this podcast is. 
what leads to the downfall of these games or like what characterizes a game that's destined to die so to say or like hmm what are some key mistakes developers do that kill their games <laughs> i think there's an inherent hiccup that occurs when an end of life or a flag in the game's life cycle is announced and people rally back to it right you see that a lot with wow where like people are like wow's dying and people are like no and they go back on for like one more hit end up playing for two years Right. Uh, so I think there is something to be said for that. I think there is a huge amount to be said for the familiarity and the comfort that comes with that familiarity. Like right now, I'm kind of between competitive games, the competitive video games, and I'm not really able to scratch my tabletop itch. So I find myself considering going back to like League of, League of Legends or trying Dota 2 for real because I've only kind of passively played that game. Um, not because I'm like, man, I really didn't play enough MOBA five to ten years ago. It's much more like, well, I kind of already know about the game a little bit. I have a pretty good understanding of what to do. I could probably get to YouTube. I have some friends that still play. Maybe that's the answer that'll get me through the next, whatever, six months of quarantine. So I think we talked about one, for video games specifically, we talked about one um, potential avenue where they end up shooting themselves in the foot, which is overpatching. Yeah. Massive changes. But I was thinking about PUBG. PUBG, while they did have a good number of changes, and you could tell they were kind of scrambling, throwing in like a new gun, like on a dear, near weekly basis for a minute there. Mm-hmm. They didn't make the innovations that were necessary to keep the game popular. Um, one of them, for example, that Apex brought in was respawning players, reviving oh, your shit, teammates. Yeah. yeah, and then so nice. Fortnite promptly stole it. But they didn't make the right innovations. They didn't patch enough. It's kind of a double-edged sword where you want to keep the game moving to keep it alive, keep it on its toes, and extend that peak. But you could very quickly patch out your core audience. Hmm. My brain just went to, like, um, the movie where they can't let the bus drop below the speed limit. Speed. Speed, speed yep. Yeah. Uh, where there's, like, a sweet zone where if you don't patch, you start to die. The players start asking, where are you? Why aren't you making these quality of life changes? What's new? What's next? And if you're not there to respond to it, you start to drop off. But at the same time, you respond too quickly, you change it too fast, and then you lose casual players, which, again, may not make up the most monetary value in a gaming community, but it is a huge portion of it by just percentages. Right? They're, they're the people that give you the numbers to make the competitive scene exist. Yeah, they're the people who's who are watching the competitive scenes, buying merch for it, rooting for people. Like, you could make a football team, but if you don't have any fans to support that football team, it ain't gonna last, right? Like, all your casual players are the fans who need to know enough about the game to understand what the hell is happening on screen when you go to do a competitive version. Well, again, I'm using video games, but I'm trying to think what else. Side note, so I'm looking at PUBG's player count graph. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the beginning of quarantine, there is a slight bump, 
Like, so it's downtrending pretty linearly. And it hits around 562,000 players. And then we get a quarantine bump that pushes it to 913,000 players. And then it seems like every single one of those additional players realized, ah, this game sucks. And it goes (laughs) straight back. 553, like as if the graph was entirely uninterrupted. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh. So, that's in great. that case, uh, everyone decided to give it a chance. They had one shot or one impression to give them, and they failed because they didn't make any changes. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's honestly right around the time that I played it. To be honest with you, beginning of quarantine, maybe middle-ish. See if it was possible. I played like two games and I was like, this is terrible. This shooting feels awful. I'm not a COD fan, but I'd rather play that. I'm yeah, looking at the I, Steam charts for PUBG now. Oh my god, it's, it's so like funny. little mountains. Yeah. Just go to like the one year one and you can see like right around March and then just oh, a flip yeah. and straight back. Right back down. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. The past seven days has been mountain. Uh, I am looking on steamtrides.com, by the way, for people listening. Yeah, uh, I think this is just sort of the weekly cycle yeah. of players on, like, if you get down to, like, the days. Yeah, I, I mean, with PUBG specifically, it seemed like the industry moved past what Bluehole could keep up with. Bluehole is the developer. Because Battle Royale exploded in a way that made it the most valuable game mode at the time, all of the big publishers turned their eyes to it. And that's why we got Fortnite. That's why we got Apex. That's why we get Call of Duty. These are the big industry titans that release these, you know, well-crafted, well-researched games specifically to unseat PUBG. So honestly, in a way, it's astounding that it's lasted as long as it did. Um, and you have that much money and that much of the industry coming at your throat. But had had they had a team of and I'm sure they do have some really great designers but maybe a little more of a focus on where the industry trend was moving they might have been able to adapt to those changes a bit better and retain some of the player base you actually see a direct parallel to that in tabletop gaming where as for example tabletop gaming is moving very heavily to alternate activations which means which means uh we each have an army I move, I use one unit of my army, you use one of your, unit of your army. I use one unit of my army, you use one unit of your army. Versus all of my army goes and then all of your army goes, which feels bad and takes forever. And I've literally drifted off from particularly slow players in casual games where like it was a long day and they were sitting there for half an hour planning out their turn. And like I literally just nodded off in my chair. (laughs) <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm boring you. I'm like, well, dude, it has been 25 minutes and you haven't moved a single space marine. So I don't, I mean, like, yeah, you should be sorry at this point. But I also think that in the confines of this, there's one more point I want to make. I know we're heading towards time, but there's one more point I want to make that is, I think, a direct parallel in between video games and tabletop games that games hit the end of their life cycle with players or enough players to have the critical mass to you know, have the game lose all relevance or have the servers turned off or stop production um, or kill the communities that most people have access to for tabletop games, right? And what occurs is a moment of, okay, but what are we going to play next? 
Yeah. If I wasn't colorblind and my computer was better, I would probably choke down Apex. I love Apex. I, I might still try it. I mean, I might just download it on my PS4 and play it on my PS4 for a bit. Oh, cross-platform. Oh, you can do that. Uh, they just did the beta version of Crossplay, so we can actually party with you if you play on PS4. All right, fine. I will download it on PS4 tonight. Um, I also just want to say, after getting a new computer and actually having the graphics set nicer, Apex is so much easier to see people. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I was also running at like 10 frames so per much. minute, so. Yeah. <laughs> 10 frames per minute. Well, he does have a, he has a potato, Jake. What do you expect? I have a yeah, Costco but... potato. All right. It's better than Walmart. <laughs> Sam's Club is a half step between them. I, I can't Costco wait. Costco to... is superior to, Sam, that, to Sam's that Club. That said, I will probably still download League of Legends tonight. Um, yes. <laughs> but, because, well, no, because here's the thing. Competitive players or people that play competitive games, depending on how you want to look at that particular phrasing want to because you can have competitive players that don't play competitive games they're the people at thanksgiving that ruin monopoly oh yeah you have this kind of moment where i'm not a part of a community and i don't feel whole as a gamer like my game identity is compromised because i haven't played a tournament i think this calendar year or since january i might have played something in january right and it's november and I should be looking forward to, there's a big tournament in November for Lord of the Rings. Not going to happen. Song I should be planning for PAX. PAX Unplugged should be next weekend. Um, so and it's so. not going to happen. And I should be oh, planning to play Ice and Fire at PAX Unplugged because they do a really good job with Song of Ice and Fire at PAX Unplugged last year. And I, I'm sitting here going like, yeah, I'm just going to do whatever I want because I honestly have hit a mode of quarantine where like I'm prepping. And a buddy of mine was like, hey, listen, the Lord of the Rings tournaments are probably going to be the first ones to come back because the Mythicos Studios community and the Showcase community and apparently some of the Nova community are all like, listen, bitches, the first chance we get, we're throwing down. It's not going to be serious and we're not going to make a big deal out of it, but like we're throwing down the first weekend we're, we're safe to do so. So I actively started buying Lord of the Rings again, and like I actually have Urukai from Isengard sitting on my table in front of me while we record this because I'm building multiple Is armies this... now. Then you buy a moose, an elf and a moose. Yeah, I bought Thranduil, King of Mirkwood, on moose. Yeah, he was mentioned in the previous, uh, not the previous, pre- the previous, previous one. Yeah, um, that that's 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 another army that a friend of mine has been very generous to have loved me for a long time that I'm finally gonna buy. Um. But I'm like, yeah, like, now that I've realized, like, we played for the first time at my house in, I think, like, four or five months, and I realized how much I missed Lord of the Rings, in particular, and how much I missed being part of these smaller communities, because for a long time, I was like, I want to play the big communities. I'm like, actually, no, I don't care. I want to play in a small community, and, like, yeah, I'm only going to be, I'm going to try to place high in, like, a 20-person event or a 50-person event once or twice a year, and the rest of the time, it's, like, 10 to 12-person tournaments, but... I know all those people, and we go to the buffet, and they're a good time. And I don't have to act, like, I don't have to deal with, like, you know, those weird strangers that come into things. Because these communities are like, yeah, if I don't like that guy, if I don't think he's going to fit, if I think he's going to damage my community, I'm not bringing him in. Um, And that, like, has kind of redefined me as a gamer over quarantine, where I've gone from a guy 
that yes, I want my competitive games to have a world championship, even if I don't intend to play it or I don't think I can play it or, and I, I'm not saying I'd be good enough to win it, but I've gone from a guy that's like, yeah, like it has to be a live quote unquote game with as many players as possible. And those are the only ones I want to look at to like, listen, if you've got like 50 people between Boston and Richmond, and, like, they're good people and they're fun to have dinner with. And there's four to six tournaments a year. I'm in. I'm happy. That's good. That's enough competition and enough socialization that I'm willing to put down for it. Which is why I've got Infinity models in the mail alongside my Lord of the Rings models. And I think that, to that vein, that whole conversation around League of Legends and Apex is the exact same parallel where these drives move us like uh, a friend of mine david has been playing rock i guess he's still playing rocket league i haven't talked to him about rocket league in a while but for a while he was really into rocket league and he was gold or maybe even platinum in rocket league and i was like should i play rocket league he was absolutely not like the same conversation where he's like do you want to spend four months eating crap from from tweens being called racial slurs and i'm like not really he goes no. then don't play this right but at the same time, he kind of missed the point that Jake has obviously capitalized on and you capitalized on in this conversation, wherein I'm going to join your communities. I'm going to go in with my friends, and I'm not going to sweat the fact that I'm not going to be top tier. I'm just going to try to get better. Yeah. And the community of Timo Mains is going to welcome you with open arms. Is that is that the <laughs> league equivalent That's of the- a Bastion main? That I posted a picture, little oh devil Timo, for anyone that is is listening. I personally have a little devil fizz skin that we could match. I also have a little devil Timo because it is an essential part of being a troll. I'm I'm, I'm excited. He's an adorable Lord of Darkness. Yes. He's Speaking wonderful. of which, though, if anybody's listening to this and you're like, man, Matthew's made me a little curious about table topping. Uh Definitely look at Lord of the Rings as like a good, reasonable paced game. If you don't want to build any models, Song of Ice and Fire is the way to go. If you're more of a casual bend and you're like, I want to show up on a Tuesday, Star Wars Legion is great. They have, like we have weekend tournaments in the Philly area. Most places have Star Wars Legion. Legion is doing the best overall from like a financial standpoint. Literally can't keep certain models on the shelves right now. Like, I'm in the second pre-order for ARC Troopers, and I have my doubts that I'm going to get them. Yeah, it's been a nightmare. No, it's been great, because you know what it means? Is that the manufacturer will never consider canceling the game, regardless of what the local community does. Because every time they drop a model, they sell out. That will keep your game alive forever. Definitely good in that sense. Um, I'm kind of glad that we're not in the stores for this type of shortage, though. Oh, no, I'd be screaming at the top of my lungs and trying to flip a table. Yeah. We, no, we would just proxy play. Like, we're, we're not. More than likely. Yeah. I wouldn't proxy play Amanda. I'd be so mad at Jake. I know. It's fine. I'll keep I, your secret. I proxy play everything. <laughs> that squad of stormtroopers that I spray painted black, yeah, they're death troopers. <laughs> I'm actually fine with that. I, like, especially because I don't think you can even get death troopers right now. I think they sold out too. Really? Well, because they were towards the end of their production run. Like, like the amount they made was towards, like, 
finishing. I could be wrong about that, but like I know Inferno Squad is real hard to find right now. So I think the consensus that we've reached with this podcast is that it really is all about taking care of and cultivating community, making sure you have new lifeblood flowing through it, and that the game is accessible to new players. And there's probably one other one, maintaining old players. And and honestly, for tabletop games. And honestly, to a certain degree, from a tabletop perspective, buying things occasionally at the stores you play out to maintain both the store you play at and the manufacturers like ticks of who's buying what and where. Because those things yeah. do really matter. Brick and mortar stores with tabletop games are so important. Yeah, I won't also, say that video games are that important. I did no. give Among Us three bucks or whatever so that my iPad version doesn't have a delay on it. Um because I'm playing on my iPad with the people I work with who are really nice, but they're they were like, Wait, why are the ads not here when Masio makes the game? I'm like, I gave them three dollars because I'm not a peasant. And they were like, well, what's wrong with that? I'm like, well, it's because I don't want to sit through an ad between games. <laughs> uh, but no, I think what it comes down to is the community is the most important. How you cultivate it, maintaining it. Uh, and maintaining it is both updating it so that you're listening to what the community wants and, you know, taking care of it so it doesn't die, but also not overwatering it, to use plant terms. Where you start to lose players because the casual players can't keep up with the amount of updates you're making. Exactly. And Plant Man knows that the plants will grow. Yeah, sure. I mean, that joke is for like four people on Earth, and I don't know <laughs> that any of them listen to this podcast. <laughs> While you're supporting your local store, if you want to buy some magic beans, I have a great deal on magic beans in my car. You get a pallet from me, you sell it to your friends, you tell them to sell magic beans. It would be great. It's Take. it's it's just it's Take. uh it's it's, it's a, a pyramid of beans? Not a, a pyramid. Pyramid is such a strong word. An we'll call Egyptian it a triangle. A triangle of profit. A triangle of profit. <laughs> and see, triangle. I'm up at the peak. And so, then you're just right below that. So you're still... If this was a Craigslist ad, what I heard was, Passion Whale has beans, wants to put beans in ya. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. We'll see you in the next one. Where we'll do a holiday special where we talk about games around the holidays. More Buy casual. My beans. <laughs> That's right. Remember, it's not a holiday unless you've stabbed your cousin for playing wrong and risk. Oh, no. Quack, quack. <laughs>